One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the David McWilliams podcast, where we try to make economics interesting and entertaining by hopefully removing the complexity from it all. Today, we're going to talk about why moving Dublin port is the key to reducing congestion in this city, but also is crucial to getting the housing crisis under control. That is going to be our point of discussion this evening. As usual, I'm joined by my good mates, John Davis. How you doing? How are you, Headball? Good, 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 good. And Finn McLaughlin over there in Hackney, London. All good, Finn? Yeah, all good. What's the crack? The crack is... uh, Well, John, what have you been up to the last while? You've had one or two scoops. I've had a load of wine. And um, let's just rock on. Well, let's rock on. Well, let's rock on. Well, listen, I'll tell you what. What really interested me this week was I turned my attention, John, to something that about a few weeks ago I was doing a speaking event in Oslo. And I'd never been to Norway in my life. Have you been? No, I haven't. But beer is very expensive. Beer is very, very expensive. And actually, everything's very expensive. But you arrive in Oslo and it's very interesting. This This is a city that is going to be car-free by 2020, right? Car-free completely. Okay. And I went out the night before the gig. I was giving, giving a speech. And I went and the, the, the Norwegian said, oh, go to this bar and this restaurant if you're going for looking for something to eat. And I walked down to where the port used to be. Mm. And they have reclaimed the entire port. And they've put huge amount of really, really lovely apartments, great parks, great restaurants, all sort of public amenities. They've reclaimed the port. And as I was flying, I was just thinking, this is really interesting. As I there was, was a huge part of the city, wasn't it? was it? a massive part of the city. Like Oslo is a big, big port. And what they did was said, hold on a second. This is prime real estate on the water. Yeah. It should not be full of freight trucks and it shouldn't be a car park for freight containers, right? We can move the port because we don't really need the port to be in the city, at the mouth of the city anymore. And we put it somewhere else and we'll reclaim that prime real estate, and we will build on that. Now, I was thinking of that, gave the speech, then flying home, uh, Dublin, uh, Oslo, Dublin, and you fly in over, you know where you fly, you fly home, you fly in over Hoth, yeah, right? Yeah. I was a lovely I always, day. I always claim the window seat. Well, you know, you see, I'm afraid of flying, so I don't claim. Oh, yeah? yeah, 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 it's a terrible thing. So I'm the Egypt on the aisle seat. Right. But the interesting thing is you can see, obviously you can see coming in over. And I was, we're flying over Dublin Port, and I just thought, this is a monumental waste of space. Dublin Port is yeah. sitting there. We have a massive housing problem. 
we can't build enough houses in the right place, and the right place is in the centre of town where people want to live, okay? Yeah. We have massive traffic and congestion because where we're building the houses is out beyond the M50. We're building Port Leash, is the fastest-growing town in Ireland, Drogheda, all these places. And what we're doing is we're condemning people to commute to living miles away from the city because Dublin doesn't face east and realise that at the east, in the centre of the city, is this huge opportunity, right? So we always face west. So rather than face towards the sea, Dubliners and Irish people in general have actually put our back to the sea and we don't realise that Dublin Port is the single biggest potential real estate asset in the country and we don't see it. That's amazing. And John, a third point is that great cities build great cities. And by that I mean that really good town planning and really, really good political leadership and visionary leadership builds great cities. So you think of the Dublin that we live in, the Dublin that tourists come to. You know, you think of O'Connell Street, you think of the Quays, you think of Dame Street, you think of Trinity College, you think of the Bank of Ireland building, you think of all these buildings. Yeah, all the hotspots. All George and Dublin, it was all built in 60 years was built as a new city. So the Dublin that we think is old George and Dublin was entirely constructed. It was built really quickly and it was built to last. Really? So the Georgians built a beautiful city between about 1720 and about 1790. And that was it. That's when the Dublin we know was built. So what I'm saying is great cities driven by a need, which in our case is congestion and a housing crisis, yeah. build great cities. Yeah. So I think we could build a new Dublin on the water and facing the water, maybe even engaging the best architects in the world to come up with really good plans, taking the mistakes we've made in Ireland, which is far too much congestion, far too many suburbs, far too many and saying, what is best practice in building a new city? So, for example, I was reading this book by Jane Jacobs, who's a Canadian kind of economist, urban economist. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a great book called The Growth and Decline of Great American Cities. And she writes about what she would regard as a great city. But my point is, I'm not an expert in this, but somebody else is an expert. So we could all do this. And that's what struck me. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting, Mac, because I love northern Spain. It's an amazing place. I go walking there to the Picos. It's fantastic. But the one city I ended up in was Bilbao. And Bilbao was the poor town in in northern Spain. And in the last 30 years, they have completely changed it. Essentially relocated the industrial side of the poor town and rebuilt the whole docks there. So it's turned into a real hub of activity. Now they have the Guggenheim Museum. They've the beautiful walkways and lots of affordable housing. But it struck me that why isn't Dublin doing that? Because the docks seem like a a perfect place to reinvent Dublin in many ways. The other thing is that I see that Cork has... Even Cork. Even Cork. Jesus, if Cork has done it. But you're right, Cork has done it. But but not only Cork, John. Barcelona, Oslo, London, Genoa. All these cities, Copenhagen, all these great cities, Bilbao, have said, hold on a second, let's use the land a bit more cleverly. 
And as you said, you know, you saw it. You saw it working there. Yeah. Well, it works really well in Bilbao. It's a fab city now. It's a really fab city. But what are the economics behind all this? Okay, so let's... Lots of other cities are doing it. Mm -hmm. Most modern cities are saying, hold on a second, the port doesn't need to be at the mouth of the river because there's no trade done in rivers anymore. In the old days, you had the port at the mouth of the river where it met the sea. That's where you had it because all the ships went up and down the trade route that was the river. Yeah. The Liffey is not used for anything, okay? So the idea is there's no compulsion anymore to use it. The economic arguments are twofold. One is what I would call sort of the essential housing market issue. We have a housing crisis, okay? We need to build lots and lots of houses. The port is a piece of land that seems to me to be wasted as a port and could be redeveloped as a new city, okay? It might not solve all the problems, but it begins the process of using land effectively. The third issue is that the cost of relocating the port, i.e. the cost of buying land up the coast, either in Drogheda or further down in Arklo, and building deep water ports there, new ports, like other countries have done, is a fraction of what the state would get, and the state owns all this land, Dublin Port is a public company, would get for selling land to private developers with the stipulation they have to build, socialising, whatever. So on the back of the envelope calculations... An acre of land, prime commercial land in Dublin, costs about 8 million quid. An acre of industrial stroke agricultural land around Drogheda or Arklo costs about 20 grand. So you can see the math straight wow. away. Straight away. And then look at the, the size of the port. Dublin port is 620 acres. I can't quite picture that. Okay. What, what does that mean? Okay, so if you think, for example... Take Smithfield. You know Smithfield? Yes, I do. So if you if you look at Smithfield and you were to look at the intensity of the apartment blocks there in, in Smithfield, as far as I know, you could probably build around 35,000 apartments, okay, units, on 600 acres and still have 200 acres of parkland. Wow. Now, 200 acres is no. 22 times Stevens Green. Okay, so when you're talking about building apartments, are, you, are they little cubby holes or are they well, proper proper houses? Well, I mean, there's no there's no reason that we can't learn from the best and build proper houses. But you know what I want to sure. do? I want to yeah. talk to Finn because he's done lots and lots of research Brilliant. on the numbers. Okay, Finn, we need a few stats. We here. need the stat man. Finn, talk to me about the housing crisis. How much we have to build? How quickly? And how much could be put if this port were redeveloped? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so let me let me just put some perspective on this. So basis on shifting demographics and urbanization trends in Ireland. So assuming we're becoming more like Europe, we're becoming one in two person households and we're urbanizing more. The best estimates, they put us in the region of needing nearly two million new apartments over the next 50 years. Hold on a so, second. We need two million new apartments over the next 50 years. Exactly. You on got demographic the bulk trends. Of these Exactly. The bulk of these in Dublin. So around 600,000 one to two person households in Dublin. Now, that's effectively an apartment block of 200 homes, we'll say, every week in the city for the foreseeable future. Hold on, can I just say, now, we have to build one apartment block of 200 units every week for the foreseeable future to fix wow. the housing crisis. Yeah, get that? I, I, that, that's extraordinary. But let's, let's, put, let's put that in simpler terms, all right? So we'll make the assumption, right, 
all those 200 units are all two beds housing two people, right? Okay. So that's around 400 people each week or 1,600 people per month that we need to house. Yeah. Now, put that in simple terms. That's the equivalent of putting the entire population of the Aran Islands in apartment blocks every three weeks. Okay, let me hold you there, Finn. We need to put 1,600 people in apartment blocks every month, which is the equivalent of putting the entire population of the Aran Islands in apartment blocks every three weeks for the foreseeable future in order to fix the housing. <laughs> oh, my problem. God. It's amazing, isn't it? You've got it. And now, now not everyone's from Galway, possible? so I'll put it, put it in terms for the rest of you. That's, that's the population of Dangan in Kerry every month, or Newmarket in Cork, or uh, your old haunt uh, up in Dockey Hill. So that's the population of Dockey Hill every month. So that, that's amazing. So the, we have to house the population of Ondangan or Dingle in Kerry, okay, or around Dawkey every single month for the next 50 years. That's, well, to, to reach the target, yeah. That is extraordinary. So, so Dublin Port is only really the tip of the iceberg sort of stuff. Well, here's the thing. So the contiguous city of Dublin, so that's as far as the city spreads out, that houses around 1.2 million people in roughly 30,000 acres, we'll say. Now, adding those 600,000 new homes you need in Dublin to the city's 30,000 acres, that would mean an average of 20 new homes per acre. And that's ignoring the fact that there's already existing buildings on most of that land and all the problems with that comes with that. So your Dublin port, your, your question then is where do you put this? Dublin port is one answer, but that's only 600 acres. So, so how, which is about, what, 10% of the requirement? So we need, give me the acreage again. So the contiguous city of Dublin, that houses 1.2 million people. That's just a little under 30,000 acres. Okay. So to put this new, the needed 600,000 homes in Dublin's 30,000 acres, that'd be the equivalent of putting an average of 20 new homes in each acre. But 20, and that's ignoring the fact that there's already existing buildings. 20 homes per acre, Finn, seems to me like unbelievably low density housing. When you could get six or seven stories with much more high density in a smaller footprint, which I presume is the objective. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Exactly, yeah. So your, your aim is for high density, but if you average across, that's what you get. So what you're saying is Dublin Port would only really have a small impact on the overall dilemma, but we need, therefore, to build up and build up very quickly. Yeah, exactly. So it's, what, 600 acres of prime land in Dublin Port. That could be around 60,000 homes. Yeah. But can I ask you then, Finn, if you built on the area of Dublin Port, does that mean that you would free up an awful lot of other property that can be used for social housing or affordable housing or whatever? Yeah, I, I guess potentially. I mean, what you'd be doing is increasing supply, which, again, if you're increasing for the supply generally, you're increasing the potential supply for social housing or whatever else. But just to stress the fact that if you build, say, 60,000 homes on the 600 acres of Dublin Port, that's just 10% of the total requirement for the next 50 years. Okay, based on the best estimate. This is this is the thing about Finn. He's just put it into context. Even if we were to build sixty thousand homes on your six hundred acres in Dublin Port, which would be higher density than almost anything we have in Ireland, okay, that would still only be ten percent of the amount of units we need to build based on demographics and immigration, and also population structure in the sense that people don't want to live in three-bedroom, four-bedroom houses anymore, two-bedroom houses. Finn, I know you're about to do wow. an application to Chicago University tonight. I think on the basis of that, you should do it on <laughs> urban planning. We'll let you go. Always a pleasure to talk Lovely. to you. Come on, Thanks, Finn. Finn. Thanks, Finn. You put us straight again. Good this, to chat you, lads. Cheers, Finn. Now, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that extraordinary? That's incredible. So it's 600,000. However, just because it's only the start of a solution doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it strikes me that if you were to go for Dublin Port and if you were to shift Dublin Port, what it does is it sends a signal that the state is able to do big things. So what one of the problems at the moment I have looking at Ireland when I travel around, yeah. I see other countries doing big things, saying, you know, we have a problem, we're going to do something dramatic and we're going to try and fix this. And this, for example, reassures the citizens that the state is in some way in control. It seems to me that Dublin Port is extraordinary. Dublin Port only employs 140 people because entire port infrastructure now is automated. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're setting aside 600 acres of prime land in order for 140 people to work there. Whereas if we were to move it elsewhere, you liberate that prime land, you have premium development, you then have social housing in it as well. And what you do is you recreate Dublin to the east of the city, facing the sea, yes. as opposed to Dublin beyond the Dublin mountains, down in Wicklow, up in you know, Navan and all those places. So Dublin is a seaside town like Bilbao, like Barcelona, like all those great cities. It's a seaside town. And making the most of that is crucial. Well, it's definitely, you know, when our parents were young, and again, I come back, right? Living by the sea, it was 
cold, it was wet, it was salty, and only the very poor and the very rich lived by the sea. Okay, yeah. the very rich because they could live in big, big houses. Yeah, well, Sea Point and Black Dorky Rock and, and all those places. Dorky yeah, and, and all the way out to and Greystones. You know, they were all they were all the prod areas. Actually. They were actually they were yeah. and 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 that therefore only the very rich and the very poor yeah. lived by the sea. Whereas now with changes in architecture with changes in insulation, with changes in building materials. Everybody, the most expensive places, not in Ireland, everywhere, in the United States, in Canada, are those with a waterside view. Yeah. And what we do in Ireland is we turn our back on that and we build out in Rathote and Navan and Port Leash rather than right here in the city. And again, it strikes me that what we need in Ireland, and maybe... This comes down to a directly elected mayor in Dublin to actually take it by the balls and say, hold on a second, we're going to move things. And what we have, rather than that, is we have piecemeal development, no real plan. Dublin Port successfully lobbying the government not to do anything, okay? And ultimately then, the state not being able to come to grips with the intensity, the enormity of the problem, and doing this, don't worry, we'll do this little bit here, this little bit there, and all the time, I'll come back, all the time, Irish workers and young families suffer by paying crazy apartment prices and rents and housing prices in a country where they shouldn't be. Because if you think about it, although we need enormous amounts of infrastructure put in, Ireland is still, it enjoys the fact that we're almost the least populated densely yeah. country in Europe. So there's a cost to all this, John. There's a cost to doing nothing. And it's not just the states and the way the politics goes. There's a cost, and that cost is borne by Irish workers. Let me ask you this, though. On the flip side of it, if you freed up this 600 acres of land on the seafront, prime real estate, does that not become another realm of the elite? Well, it could do if you if you as opposed yeah, to no, the, the, the the affordable housing that we're looking for that we need at well, this stage. Why not build affordable? Look, the state owns the land, mm-hmm. right? So the state has a choice: do you sell it off to create a Dubai in Dublin, which would be a disaster? So what you're talking about is having a little Dubai in Dublin, yes, which is posh and really ritzy and chicy and fancy restaurants, all that stuff, right? The choice is for the planners to say, "Hold your air, we're actually going to do the opposite." Remember, I talked about the Jane Jacobs idea that we're actually going to make understand the fact that what makes great neighbourhoods are actually different social classes. Yeah. That's what makes great neighbourhoods. And what makes great neighbourhoods are living streets, streets that are alive with people and public infrastructure and public goods. So it's up to us. We can choose. Now, lots of developers, if you left it to them, would love to make a Dubai in Dublin, right? Yank up the prices cost a fortune and as you said a little elite ghetto yeah, yeah. of Googlers and JP Morgan workers yeah. and all that. But why not use a combination of Google and Crumlin, of Google and Tala, and actually fuse it together so you have a planned city with different social classes. And of course if people want private stuff and they look on the water, they pay for it. But equally you have social housing which gives Irish citizens of different social backgrounds, the same access to the greatest resource we have in this city, which is the sea. Yeah. You see, on paper, it's a fantastic idea. And I think it's brilliant 
that you know there is this huge scope for affordable housing and regenerating the whole city of Dublin. But what are the barriers there? You know, I know there are unions and the logistics of moving everything north or south or wherever it is. You know, what are the okay, logistics Well, well obviously, a thing like this, again, I come back to the fact that George and Dublin, the core of it was built in 25 years. And between the canals, extended George and Dublin was probably built in about 60 years. Yeah. That's what cities do. Barcelona has moved. Copenhagen has moved, Right. Yes, it's logistically a problem, but it's not beyond the wit of Irish society to move a piece of infrastructure. Regarding the trade unions, one of the very interesting things about the port is how successful Dublin Port Company has been in terms of the ratio of employees to the amount of cargo. So you keep Dublin Port management in the job. You'd say, you guys have done such a good job. It's just going to have to be in a different place, right? So you wouldn't affect that. I think the trade unions as a block would actually understand that socially it is better for social housing to be provided for people, for working people in this new city than simply to genuflect to the commuting requirements of 140 odd workers and the management. There are issues, but I mean, economics is the art of the possible. If every time we decided to do something big, we got ground down by the oh my God, you can't do this, and what about this, and et cetera. Nothing would ever be done. Now, the interesting thing is we run the risk in Ireland of precisely what you're saying. So, for example, the metro from Dublin Airport to Sandyford now has been abandoned because the residents of Ranala are upset that the Lewis won't run. I mean, this is total fucking bullshit. Yeah. Think you can't, you can't build a city like this. Yeah. New York is not built like this. Any big city, there's going to be but this is a big picture view. But this is of, what we're trying. To, this is what we need to do. This is what we're trying to ventilate here. Is that like you travel around, you see best practices elsewhere, you come back and you say, "Why don't we do it here?" It's not beyond us to think long term. Think of 20, 30, 40 years, and just do it. So, Mark, you have talked about seaside living, congestion in Dublin. If we change Dublin Port. How would that affect Dublin as a whole? Like what it means is, first of all, you've got to define your reality, not as you would like it to be, but as it is. And then you've got to do something about it. This is what you do in a crisis. The reality is that we need to build lots and lots. You heard the figures from Finn, 600,000 units over 50 years, which is actually like taking the population of the Aran Islands every three weeks and rehousing them yeah, in apartments for 50 years. If we don't do that, what happens to the average person? House prices continue to go up and up and up and up and up. And as you know, what happens when house prices go up and up and up, two things happen. One is the average worker gets robbed and there's a transfer of money from workers to landlords, which is a bad thing. But two, as house prices continue to go up and up and up, the risk of another property crash, like we had 10 years ago, increases dramatically, right? Because property prices can't keep going up and up and up because they will be inflated by huge amounts of credit. So in real terms, one is we know the problem. We've defined it. It's huge. We've got to start doing something about it, okay? Starting in Dublin Port sends a signal that we are actually real about big infrastructural projects. It avoids house prices continuing to go up and up and up and up. 
it avoids the likelihood, or I'd say the likelihood, the possibility now with the likelihood in a few years' time of another traumatic housing crisis and housing crash. And what it does, it also sends a signal to the world that this is a real country that gets its shit together, that actually isn't just a tax haven that operates in strokes and this and that, but actually says, you know what, we're going to do it. You mentioned Bilbao at the top. One of the reasons Bilbao did what it did was to actually infuse Basque people with a sense of Basque nationalism that wasn't only ETA and killing Spanish policemen. It was saying, we are Basque, we can do it for ourselves, we don't have to go down this nihilistic route of terrorism and crazy-ass independence movement based on killing people. We're going to reinvent what it is to be Basque. And when I look at these sort of projects, I think we can reinvent what it is to be Irish through the prism of great public works and great public infrastructure. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if you like our content and you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. If you become a patron, you can unlock all sorts of interesting new content, interviews I'm going to be doing, ticket giveaways for those interviews, those conversations with really interesting people, experiences that you can't get anywhere else. And this will ensure that the podcast remains ad-free and you can get all of this stuff for the price of a pint. Thank you.